This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Timotu, NPR. Listening to live and on-demand shows has never been easier on NPR. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Play Store on your device and search up Access Internet Radio NZ. Select and download the first option at the top of the list. Once you've downloaded the app, the next step is to open the app and look for NPR. Once found, select it and then browse freely. Supported by New Zealand On Air. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome today to Property Matters, the show where we talk all things property and today there's a bit of local stuff, there's some national and international and we're going to tackle a range of topics which should be great fun. Billy Tossi is away today, Billy has an employer that says if you have a birthday you can have a day off work which means he's also a day away from the radio studio, lucky guy. So we'll get into some local news and... The first headline is from the Two Standard, and it was talking about, or well, the headline is, Council Candidates Want to Improve Cities Housing. And there was a get-together on, hosted by Two People's Radio uh, for a debate at Hancock House last Monday for new candidates running for the PNCC. The three that attended were Latham Lockwood, David Lane and Renee Dingwall. And all three of them spoke about the importance of housing in the city. Dingwall, who's 35, uh, and described herself as a youth-adjacent Samoan-born multicultural woman and says that the council needs more diversity. Housing and the climate crisis were her two priorities. She says she wants to increase the social housing structure. She goes on to say the city council has has a duty of care to its people and environment for the quality of housing stocks and the amount of housing stock. She's quoted as saying that I'd want to put an incentive on investment to build affordable housing, speed up the process for people wanting to build houses. And one example of that might be to offer lower admin costs for people building affordable housing. So Renee Dingwall has experience in working in the not-for-profit sector as well as in social enterprise. Palmas North real estate agent Latham Lockwood, 29, says that he is standing to represent youth. He described that the city has a lot of unique issues, but there's no reason all of them couldn't be looked at. And they quote him as saying that there's a massive wait for retirement homes and then those people are not selling their properties to move into retirement homes. Then those houses, therefore, are not available for first and second home buyers. And so he sees the only way to really help with the current extremely difficult housing market is to build more houses. And are the houses affordable? That's something we have to concentrate on to help break that cycle. He also said that the housing problem didn't stop people wanting to live in Manawatu. In fact, people are still moving here uh, in, in large numbers as it is an affordable place to live. Also in local housing news and talking about uh, the need for uh, public or council-funded housing or even joint partnerships, this article from Stuff in the Lifestyle section says that a former taxi driver is the first to move into one of 14 emergency housing units in Fielding. Retired taxi driver Daryl Osborne didn't anticipate being homeless on his 70th birthday, but when his daughter's family sold their home on the outskirts of Palmerston North, where 
He had lived in a separate flat. He found himself at work and income, effectively begging for a roof over his head. According to the article, it says he was confined to a motel for the past three months, but this week moved into the first of 14 emergency and social housing units to be built in Fielding. The cost of using motels for emergency housing really is ratcheting up with the government granting $23 million in just the first three months of this year. Once flushed with tourists and business travellers, regional motels are now described as a dumping ground for the down and out, and in Manawatu there are more than 400 people on the waiting list for emergency housing. So that's prompted Palmer's North Motel owners Lynn and Brett Beale to join the crusade against homelessness by partnering with the building company Thermowise Homes, and they're building these cheap one-bedroom units in Fielding to be rented at a weekly rent of $235. Other partners have jumped on board and Thermowise will soon build another 13 units in in Fielding, targeting low-income and poverty-stricken Kiwis. Each unit is divided into two apartments, each with one bedroom. Thermowise Homes Director Ricky Penney said his childhood was spent being bounced between cold and damp state homes in Fielding, which fueled the desire to find a solution. He then spent four years researching the designs, the costs and demands of social housing. He says, I know some of the journey has been hard and there has been times when anyone else would have walked away, but he's now got these homes that cost about $200,000 each and are effectively kit-set homes constructed from structural insulated panels. They take 16 weeks to build. So it's positive that, that more building is taking place. Another article from Trade Me says that the heat is still on in the Wellington housing market and more to come. This is according to Trade Me. The average Wellington house increased in value by more than $4,500 a month over the past year, effectively earning the region's median wage, according to the latest Trade Me data. This means that a household might have might have three wages coming in, that of the, the the two owners and then the third of the house itself, which is earning more than either of those two people. So the average asking price in Wellington rose 9.4% year on year to 636250 which was an increase of almost 55000 And that works out as 4562 a month compared with the 7400 Oh, sorry, $740 a week a person getting in the region's median wage would earn. So this is according to Trade Me Property spokesman Aaron Clancy. He said that the three to four bedroom homes in Wellington had the largest increase in house prices, an 11% jump last July to $673,050. He also goes on to say that homeowners in the Manawatu Wanganui Otago and Southland have plenty of reason to smile after all three regions experienced strong double-digit growth and new records. Gisborne was another strong performer with property prices jumping 18% year-on-year to 360000 And for those of you who listened to last week's show may remember that the prices in Manutu Wanganui up over 25% in one year. That's quite remarkable. A little while ago on the show, I profiled a property that was for sale, quite an unusual one. This is in the suburb of Seatoon in Wellington. It was a water tower. It's a giant water reservoir on top of a hill in Seatoon, Wellington. It has now been sold, but it is 
At this stage, it is unsure what the new owner plans to do with it. It really was one of the more unusual property sales this year and got 60,000 hits on TradeMe. The Seatoon Water Reservoir on a hilltop has the best views in Wellington, according to this article, and has a new owner. This was put up by Tender by the Wellington Council, and the new owner is now deciding what she wants to do with the site. According to Steve Farrell, the listing agent of Ray White Kilburnie, he says, we don't know at this stage what her plans are, but things may become more clear after settlement last month, and at that point we'll be able to disclose the sale price. The reservoir was decommissioned by the council four or five years ago, and during the marketing of the reservoir, Farrell described the section as reasonably sized at 1,012 square metres, but you would want a cable car. Farrell says that there is a decent amount of concrete up there, but the funny thing is the LIM report says there is terrible water pressure. That will be because this is the highest point in the area, so you'd need a water pump. The rating value for this property was $370,000, although he says a section of this size of this view would normally be $500,000 plus. When we find out what that's sold for, we might let you know. Make, makes your mind boggle. It's probably most likely it will get knocked over and a house built. But it does make you think, what could you build in this water tower? Uh, can you convert that to a home? And I must say in some areas, like in Raglan and New Zealand, people have converted water tanks to homes. Another article here, this time from Stuff Business, saying that sidelined property investors are starting to return as the housing market settles. Now, I must put a little caveat on this article. This relates largely to the effect that Auckland has on the market, whereas in some areas like Manotu, Wanganui, the market hasn't settled, it's still rising. But here's some, a little bit from the article. It says, what must landlords do when they rent out a house? Investors appear to be dipping their ho- toes excuse me, back into the property market after years of shifting conditions. The sector has gone through a period of significant change, first with the tighter lending restrictions, then the proposal of a capital gains tax and the new rules imposing insulation, heating and ventilation standards on rental properties. Many investors were left unable to buy or chose not to while the changes worked through. And that cleared the way for first home buyers to step up and in June, first home buyers borrowed more money to buy houses than investors did for the first time since the Reserve Bank data started to be collected in 2014. But it says now there are signs that that is changing again. CoreLogic senior property economist Kelvin Davidson has said that while over... All sales numbers were still comparatively low. Investors seemed to be reasserting themselves in the property market. He said that mortgaged investors were responsible for 25% of property purchases in New Zealand in July, a market share not seen since 2016. When investors' activity started dropping after the Reserve Bank introduced a 40% deposit requirement for investor purchases. This has since been scaled back to 30%. The investor activity increase was most evident in the main centres, including Dunedin, where the share went from 24% in the second quarter to 26% in July, Tauranga, where it lifted from 22% to 26%, and Hamilton, where the increase was 27% to 32%. That is partly because the house prices are stabilising in those areas, while the rents continue to go up. Many of these investors were mum and dad type investors who own their own home and one other rental property. He says that although costs of being a landlord have increased, for example, due to extra insulation standards, the 
tax ring fence for property losses. The flip side is that rents are also rising. And this means that the flat property prices are creating a property investment market or the returns that are gradually improving. One thing that we've noticed here in the Manor too, and this also relates to the other markets that I'm talking about, that mum and dad investors, so to speak, are looking for an attractive, low-risk investment and they don't have a number of, number of alternatives to property at present. For example, after the latest official cash rate, many term deposit rates are now sub-3% and the low returns may well be prompting a switch of some money away from, from that asset class and potentially towards property. I know I had multiple phone calls last week about people looking at, again, investing in property after having their investments in other areas or, or not seeing the returns that they would like to have. Here's a little bit of news from across the Tasman. Melbourne real estate agent slammed for sexist advertisement of home with fully equipped kitchen. You would think that these days have gone, but there was a million dollar home that was being sold by a real estate agent with a fully equipped kitchen that he says ladies will love. The advertisement, in fact, has a line that reads, ladies, this large kitchen is fully equipped and you will love this. And so this caused a bit of an uh, outrage. There was a lady um, called Monique told the Daily Mail in Australia that she was pretty horrified to see the sexist advertisement for the home. I asked her who the agent was because I was horrified in this day and age that there are still men who think a kitchen is somehow uniquely a woman's domain. Uh, This lady had gone and put on Instagram a story with how not to sell a house. She has yet She has emailed the agent to tell him how disgusting the advertisement is, but has yet to receive a reply. The lady who's complained, called Monique, says that it's just so disappointing with all the progress of the feminist movement, we are still seeing this type of advertising, which really does seem quite incredible as well. Uh, Very old-fashioned and old-school. These days have long gone. Take some people a little bit longer to realise this than others. So you're here on Property Matters. We're going to listen to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, but it's not the Elton John version. It's the version by Queens of the Stone Age. When are you going to come down? When are you going to land? I should have stayed on the farm. I should have listened to my old man. You know you can't help me forever. Present for your friends to open This boy's too young to be singing
that was Queens of the Stone Age. You're back with Greg Watson. This is Property Matters. I think I like the original better, but just thought I'd get your opinion on that one. On Property Matters, we come up with some pretty interesting stuff at times. And before I tell you about a story that's come out of Beverly Hills in the United States, I'd like to pose this question to you. And this is a question that I was asked, and I've been in real estate for, for decades, so to speak. And people used to ask me on occasion, how safe are open homes and do you ever have anything stolen at real estate open homes? And I can honestly say that it's in the time that I've done it. Uh, we have had one case, which we think was actually an insurance job by the tenants, but uh, never anything reported over thousands and thousands of open homes. So that's why the story here from Beverly Hills gives me a little bit of, um, well, it's, I guess it's real estate agents going to a new low. Here's the headline. Beverly Hills real estate agent accused of burglarising the homes of celebrities, including Usher and Adam Lambert. So real estate agent, and this is according to CNN, real estate agent Jason Emil Yaselli and Benjamin Eitan Ackerman have been charged with several crimes and accused of taking more than half a million US dollars through fraud and embezzlement, according to the Los Angeles County's District Attorney's Office. They say the alleged victims include the musicians Usher and Adam Lambert, as well as the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills stars Paul and Dorit Kelsley and former NFL player Sean Phillips. Ackerman of Beverly Hills was arrested on August the 16th and Yaselli was arrested a few days later. So for about a year and a half, the prosecutors allege, Yaselli encouraged Ackerman to steal luxury items from 14 homes and then sell them to make payments on Yaselli's credit card. In many cases, the men identified the targets or committed the burglaries during open houses, prosecutors allege. The thefts happened in Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, Brentwood and Hollywood Hills. The men have been charged with money laundering, first degree residential burglary, identity theft, conspiracy to commit burglary and conspiracy to commit money laundering. They've got some really high bails, both, both set at over a million dollars. Uh, the attorney of Ackerman said in a statement that the prosecutors do not have a particularly good case. They say that by specifically naming Usher and Adam Lambert as the alleged victims, they're really emphasising what we believe from day one. This is a publicity-driven prosecution, the lawyer said. The people's case is no better today than it was a year ago. And it's not just that Mr Ackerman is presumed to be innocent. He is, in fact, innocent. But check this out. Both of these men that are accused of stealing from famous people's homes at open homes face a maximum sentence of 31 years and eight months if convicted. So there'll be a hearing about that, a preliminary hearing on October the 3rd. We're going to move on now to property management matters and uh, rental property matters. It's an article here from TVNZ during the week with the headline as follows, Laws haven't kept up with New Zealand's growing rental market, PM says, amid concerns of power imbalance. Um, and it says, as the rental market in New Zealand grows, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern says laws haven't kept up with the likes of Europe where some people rent their entire lives. And she admits that she doesn't think the power balance is quite right between landlords and tenants. She told TVNZ1's breakfast show recently that the government had made changes on issues like inflation to lift the standard, although she does go on to say that we shouldn't place all landlords in the same category because there are, of course, 
those landlords who are seeking to create an environment that's really livable, and there are some who just aren't, she said. So she said that putting in place the healthy home standards was really important, but we are doing more than that as well. As renting becomes more common, there's work to be done, the Prime Minister says. She says, we've grown a rental market in New Zealand and it's becoming increasingly used by people, particularly as we've had the housing crisis. But our laws aren't based on what you see overseas in Europe in particular, where people sometimes rent their entire lives. We just haven't built our tenancy laws around that kind of occupation. And that led to another change that's come out this week. If, if you're a landlord or tenant, you might be interested in this one. New privacy guidelines welcomed as the headline by goodreturns.co.nz. It says that confusions over what information landlords can ask for when selecting tenants should be eased by a new set of guidelines from the Office of the Privacy Commissioner. The release of the OPC's new guidelines today followed the controversy over the original set of guidelines which came out in May. So these guidelines that came out in May were intended to help landlords make decisions about what personal information it is reasonable to collect from prospective tenants. But they were greeted with dismay by landlords and property managers who described them as confusing and contradictory in many areas. The government hadn't consulted with industry about this. There were particular concerns about the restrictions around running credit checks on tenants and the prohibition on asking someone's age and or to see a driver's licence number. So in response to the outcry, the Office of the Privacy Commissioner withdrew the guidelines in order to consult with industry representatives like the New Zealand Property Investors Federation and the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. So now the revised guidelines are out and they've been welcomed by the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand as being much clearer and simpler for the industry to follow. It outlines, according to Ryan's CEO, Bindi Norwell, that certain types of information should only be collected at different stages of the tenancy process. So I've got a copy of the uh, guidelines here. So there's a number of things that you can now ask for when someone applies for a tenancy. Things like their name and contact information, proof of identity, whether they're older than 18, uh, expected length of a tenancy, contact details for landlord and non-landlord references, consent for a criminal record check or a credit report, but only if they are what's called a preferred tenant. So you can't check criminal records or credit reports until you've effectively narrowed that tenant down to being a preferred tenant. You can also ask when a tenancy is beginning or when they're first applying, the number of occupants live in the property, pet ownership, and whether they smoke or not. Then there's a second section which says, what can I collect after I've chosen the preferred applicants? At that stage, it's saying you can do the credit report, the relevant criminal check, the check out their, get their date of birth so that you can do the credit check, contact details of an emergency person, vehicle information if necessary to provide for parking on the property and proof of income. It also goes on to remind us there are certain things that we should not collect on an application form for a rented property and these are generally in line with uh, Human Rights Act but things like nationality, ethnicity, origin and citizenship physical or mental disability or illness, personal beliefs or opinions, marital and family status, gender and sexual orientation. But here are some new ones about the rent paid previously. So you have to start with a new slate. About the current expenses 
also starting with a new slate, proof of their insurance, we cannot connect, employment history is on the in the cannot connect collect side of things. And you can also not just ask to give broad consent to collect information from other sources. So really quite specific in the guidelines. However, there are concerns that the new guidelines won't protect tenants. And this has come from the Citizens Advice Bureau. And I'll just find the quote here from the article if I've got that. Here it's the manager of the Citizens Advice Bureau, Wellington Central Branch, Audrey Felsmith said renters could miss out on homes because other people provided more information that they were not legally obliged to give. She says, I think the guidelines are good, but whether they're actually enforceable or whether they will actually change the current climate against property, amongst, I should say, property managers and landlords, I don't know, time will tell. Another article on newshub.co.nz. Just give details that, again, the the guidelines say landlords can ask tenancy applicants for their names and contact details and so forth, um, but only do certain checks once they have a preferred candidate. So it's nice to – it's been well publicised, but what will the actual effect be? We're not sure. Finally, the no eviction policy proposed for tenants will hurt the communities, according to an opinion piece on stuff.co.nz. Andrew King from the New Zealand Property Investors Federation says that if landlords cannot effectively remove tenants with bad behaviour, it is the neighbours that suffer. If the 90-day eviction notice is removed, neighbours could have to put up with antisocial behaviour of a small group of disruptive tenants regardless of how badly the landlord would like to evict them. You see, the 90-day notice is an option of last resort used by landlords and it's only when used when the tenant, landlord and neighbourhood relationship has broken down. It's extremely rarely used and in a survey of the New Zealand Property Investors Federation it asked its members why and when they'd used it. Many had never used it and and those who had most had issued only one over the past five years claiming the reasons for using it was antisocial behaviour, disturbing neighbours, aggression and damage. Those advocating for the removal of the 90-day clause say there are other avenues if a tenant behaviour gets this out of control and they're right. It is legally possible to take a tenancy, tenant to the tenancy tribunal to request termination, but this requires a hearing and evidence. And this is actually the preferred way to end a tenancy, but in cases of antisocial, disruptive and abusive tenants, neighbours are often too afraid to come forward to give evidence. And so I believe that the 90-day notice should be allowed to stay um, so that um, neighbours who are put under stress, fear and intimidation don't have to worry about testifying. This is Property Matters. Thanks so much for joining me this week. It's been fun and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Support this programme and others like it by giving a donation to MPR. More details at mpr.nz.